right, welcome to uh, Christmas Eve Eve version of Lacrosse Talk PM. In studio with me, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Doctor Anthony Chergoski. We're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do political talk at all with the political science professor or i'm all discombobulated because it's not a friday yeah it's it's not a friday we had to bring you in a day early and then we have to get your uh your your top five christmas movies we have to have you i'm prepared with that and we had you review elf last time yep uh well two weeks ago i think we forgot to do a movie review last week and it was a whole thing i was going to do a movie review a week and I think maybe we'll do, you know, and depending on what your number one Christmas movie is, I don't think it's Elf. I think we revealed that a couple of weeks ago, but uh, maybe we should just review the top Christmas movie. And then also, I've been asking everyone this, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? So we can get that right out of the way right away. Your uh, opinion, Die Hard? Have yes. you seen Die Hard? Yes, it is. It, it is a Christmas it movie. Is, okay, have you seen the, the, the Bruce Willis clip where he says it is not? Well, is it up to Bruce Willis to decide that? I Or is it up to the viewer to decide that? The informed and discerning viewer of Die Hard. <laughs> I would say hard Yeah, it's not like well, he says it's a Bruce Willis movie. First well, of, of all, that was his. So, I mean, that's just, that, when he says that, then I'm like, well, then it is and then I get to call it what I want because you're just calling it a Bruce Willis movie when it's you know, there are other actors in there. And maybe it comes off as a little dismissive to say, oh, it's just a Christmas movie. Because, you know, like, how Christmas movies are often kind of tacky. They're the things that are on 24-7 on Hallmark. <laughs> They're the things that show up nonstop on Netflix. So Christmas movies don't have the best reputation for quality. Believe me, there are some great ones, but the average Christmas movie, I would say, is pretty terrible. So maybe he quite logically doesn't want it to be known as a Christmas movie because of the general reputation that Christmas movies have. But when it hits the Christmas rankings in your top 10 list, I don't know. Maybe it's, I have this, I have this top 10. I'm going to see if Die Hard's on here. Die Hard is not on here. So there's this, there's this. I, I feel like it's in the perfect scenario where it becomes its own thing. Is it a Christmas movie? How many of those are there? Well, uh, that's why I was nervous about putting it on my top five Christmas movie list. I didn't know if it would be too controversial to include it. It's ranked on Ranker, where, oh, okay. where the website that ranks everything is the 13th Christmas movie, number 13. Okay. So not top 10, but it is on the ranking. That's fair. That's fair. 13 sounds about right. Home Alone is the number one movie on here, though. Well, it's in my top five, Home Alone. Home Alone. And then, so on Ranker.com, Home Alone, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Yep. Elf, Yep. and then the Claymation show, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, that's the only one that I don't have in my top five. Have you seen the Mad TV version of this? I have not, no. I recommend it. (laughs) There's a beheading. Of Santa Claus, spoiler alert. I should have spoiler alert. I mean, it's from like the 90s, I think. So um, if we could go on here, Charlie Brown Christmas is That's six. That's the other one. A Christmas Story is seven. Yep. Now, a year ago, I broke news here that A Christmas Story plays 24 hours on right. Christ- beginning Christmas Eve. You didn't even know this. Well, now I know. Yeah. So maybe you this can hit that up. the educational component of this show. You can hit that up tomorrow yeah. for anyone. There's two Dr. Seuss's on this top. How is Dr. Seuss on here twice? Right. Because there, was the, the, there was the animated version of The Grinch oh, and, and then, then the live action version with uh, Jim Carrey. Right? Jim, yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey. That's weird. Jim Carrey also a uh, proponent of Mad TV. No, not Mad TV. He's in Living Color. Never mind. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street, which I think some people have their number one. Is sure. Not even top 10. 
Sure. Die Hard, not top 10. Frosty the Snowman, not top 10. Home Alone 2 makes the top 20. That's weird. Okay. Uh, Scrooge. I'm just I'm just kind of perusing. A Nightmare Before Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? It's a good movie, but I wouldn't think of it as like a warm and fuzzy Christmas movie to watch. No. Um, and then like the Tim Allen Santa. I've never seen any of the Santa oh, those Clauses. those are good. Yeah. Gremlins. Have you seen Gremlins? I haven't seen that one. Oh, you no. haven't seen Gremlins. So this would be interesting for you to watch Gremlins and then. This Grumlins will be another one, whether or not it is a Christmas movie. Sure, because it's kind of a horror movie, really. It's like a funny horror movie, but it's still like if you're a little kid, it's it's scary. I don't I don't recommend it. the kids gather around, uh, light the fire, and and watch Grumlins on Christmas. I don't I don't see yeah, that. Yeah, some of these are not really for kids. Now, is the new Matrix Resurrection a Christmas movie? <laughs> the new Matrix Matrix movie dropped on HBO last night, and I think in theaters. Uh, this is the fourth installment uh, with Neo, Mr. Anderson. Uh, have you seen? Are you a Matrix guy? Are yep. you into these movies? Yep. Have you? When's the last time you watched these? Because I oh, made the girlfriend. It was, year, it was years ago, though. I made the girlfriend watch them, yeah. and she couldn't. She couldn't. And she's into. She's into like this. She's really a like a comic book. Sure. Type. You know, uh, Marvel. All the Marvel movies. A lot of the DC movies. Even. Uh, she's into these things, and she the, the Matrix couldn't hold her attention. I love the Matrix movies, but that's my that's me from college talking when I say that. Like I don't know me in my thirties if I would love them as much. Yeah, there's a nostalgia there, maybe. Absolutely. Like a, I remember just on my own first job in Winona. I'm I'm living in Fountain City in a upstairs apartment of a house. Not even an apartment. It's like renting out this crappy house in Fountain City, and I. <laughs> I walked to the quick trip in Fountain City to just whatever, pick something up, you know, because it's open in the middle of the night. And they have movies to rent there. This is a You're weird kidding. This is a weird thing I remember. So this is back in the day when you rented movies. So Quick Trip had like the Fountain City Quick Trip had like movies to rent. And the Matrix wow. 2 was there. Yeah. And I had no idea. The internet must not have been very prevalent with me because I had no idea the Matrix 2 had even been out. And I'm like I guess I'll watch this. Awesome. I was like super pumped. And then you watch it and it's like, eh. It was okay. So we watched the Matrix movies uh, over the last couple of weeks and they were a little tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were way cooler when I watched them when they came out. I'm just, I'm not into, I love Jackie Chan fight scenes. I don't know if you ever watched because his whole deal is it's going to be a fight scene. There's not going to be a lot of cuts. And it's real, like, semi-real action. It's not real action, but you know what I mean? Right. Uh, he's actually doing this stuff. There's not, like, a cutaway or multiple camera angles that flip every second so you can't. Uh, Daredevil, the Netflix series, sure. has a really good fight scene in a stairwell where the camera never changes. So, I mean, I I appreciate that stuff. Matrix, the fight scenes are are kind of fu- funny, and, and they were cool in the 90s. They're right. not. They don't hold my attention anymore. I, I can fast forward the fight scenes. You know, some movies just don't really hold up that well over the years. Or maybe it's because you watch them at a certain age, and then you get 10 years older, and they're just not as great anymore. You just get a little bit more mature. I think uh, every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is probably like that, oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> I probably watched the movie Commando like 50 times when I was a little kid. And now if I watched it now, I'd be like, wow, this was an absolute waste of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so yeah we'll we'll hit on the christmas movies a little bit later in the show uh we'll talk some politics here it's, it just feels weird to talk politics but i mean there's so many every every week i say it there's so many things happening but yeah i've, I've done virus talk already once this week i don't know how my how badly i want to go down the virus road again but 
as as Joe Biden seems to have finally two years later gone, hey, you know what we should do is give everyone tests so they can figure out if they have COVID or not easily before they leave their home. It only took about two years to get wide distribution of at-home tests, or at least that's the plan coming up in January to mail out 500 million at-home COVID-19 tests. All right, we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Dr. Anthony Tregoski, UW Lacrosse, political science professor, in here with me. Christmas Eve Eve show. Uh, have we canceled calling you doctor yet? Because, you know, you don't work in a hospital. Have we done that? It's been a while since <laughs> I brought that, that up. Not that kind of doctor. Not that. I'm not that. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm not the useful kind of doctor. Right. You're the one that just spreads uh, disinformation and divisiveness and hate. No, I'm just kidding. Pretty much. Uh, we uh, started the show talking for some reason about... Uh, well, we started with Christmas movies, and then we went to, into the Matrix, and then hit Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, um, have you seen? Have you seen this? Speaking of, you know, just kind of keeping it upbeat right before Christmas, North Korea has banned laughing because of the morning of uh, the anniversary of Kim Jong. Kim Jong is that the former leader? Kim. Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong Il? Il, it's Il. Yeah. There it is. Okay, I was I saw that because I, I think like, Kim Jong Un is still alive. Yeah, Kim Jong Un is the leader now, right? Yeah, and Kim Jong Il yeah. was his dad, and uh, yeah. So they've they've banned laughing during the. It's not even like no laughing allowed. It's not even. So if the president, if if the whatever you call him, what do we call? What do we call Kim Jong? What did Trump always call him? Supreme leader or something, something like, that? like that? It was super weird, right? He didn't just, want to, and then just eventually generic dictator title. <laughs> yeah, we should just like supreme awesome leader uh, Kim Jong Un, whom they love each other. They often said that was a that was a weird time in history when we. When we're, I don't understand why we were catering up to North Korea of all places. They have some of my favorite tall tales in North Korea. Some of the myths that they tell, some of the crazy things that they say about Kim Jong Il. For instance, he Il or Un? Kim Jong Il. Okay, the former leader. Uh, former leader. Now, don't laugh while we're talking about this. We cannot laugh. He. He reportedly, according to the North Korean government, does not produce human waste. Or did not produce human waste. He invented the hamburger. And when he went golfing for the first time, he hit 11 holes in one. Oh, I did. So I've heard the hole in one thing. I I thought I just saw that on an always sunny clip and it was a joke. It's true. Well, I mean, it's it's true in the sense that it's something that they say about him. I want to, and now I forgot. You know, what I want to know is what about the other seven holes? Why couldn't he go 18 for 18? I mean, that would be unreal. That him? would be unrealistic. Yeah, that'd just be crazy. Um, the the I remember reading not too long ago about voting. So I bring this up every once in a while about voting in North Korea, where there's there's only one. It's not even a person on the ballot. There's it's just essentially if we had it in in the America or the United States, I should say. It would just be like Republican is on the ballot or Democrat. Right. So that's the party at power is on the ballot. It's the only one. And then everyone has to vote. And then if you don't vote, they throw you in the ocean. It is super interesting from a political science perspective how these dictators do have elections. Of course, they're completely rigged. 
the elections that are held. But they do seem to derive some sense of legitimacy in a way, or it does seem to serve some function for these dictatorships to hold elections, even if they are completely fraudulent, even if they are completely uh, fixed. It does seem to hold some kind of weird purpose for these dictatorships to have elections so they can say, well, look, I mean, people, 99% of them voted for me. The other 1%, well, they're not going to be heard from anymore. But the 99% of, of the voters voted for me. They also banned grocery shopping on the day that the former leader died. And apparently they've banned drinking alcohol. That's a leisure activity. So there's no leisure, no leisure activity. allowed. You've just got to cry I feel like day. I feel like you pour out a little alcohol. I, as comical as this is, Kim Jong-un has had some real victories lately in terms of his influence, in terms of his status, his interactions with President Trump, his interactions with some other key leaders around the world, like in South Korea, his continued relations with China. Kim Jong-un remains, I would say, in a pretty strong position politically. Of course, there's so much that we don't know about the politics of North Korea. It's so mysterious. But you've got to say, between the weapons program, between his dealings with other countries that have really aided his legitimacy, he's become a stronger leader. You could quite plausibly argue he's become stronger over time. Speaking of presidents, uh, Joe Biden canceling no. Postponing. Postponing student loan debt until May? Until May 1st. The student loans were originally slated to start again in terms of repayment in the beginning of February, that that the people who were on federal student loans would have to start paying again in February. And this raised a big fuss with Democrats when the Biden administration announced that, because a lot of Democrats want student loans to be canceled entirely. Other Democrats want some element of the student loan debt out there to be canceled, maybe up to 10000 maybe up to 15000 per borrower. And other Democrats just want to see this, this pause on student loan payments continue into the future. So what I think the Biden administration did is they bought themselves some time here. They bought themselves some time to figure out a more permanent solution to this issue of student loan payments beginning again. There are some really good-looking economic forecasts out there for 2022. And just from a practical standpoint, having a bunch of people start to pay student loans again, which average like $400 a month, that was going to be a real hit to the economy. So it makes economic sense for Joe Biden to continue this pause on student loan payments. And it also makes political sense because this was a big-time loser with Democrats to have people start repaying the student loans in February, Biden has bought himself some time by extending the, de- the by extending the pause on student loan payments to May. And my expectation is that there will be further changes to the student loan program prior to that point in time. It wasn't too long ago that they said they weren't going to extend it, right? Yeah, like just a couple of, weeks ago. What kind of stupid messaging do you have when you're like, yeah, we're not – like never say you are or aren't going to do a thing until you're ready to say you are. There are some real problems with the White House's messaging that have come back to bite them. You had Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, say, oh, we're going to try to ensure a smooth transition back to student loan payments. That's a terrible impression of her, yeah, by the way. It's, it's not a good impression. Uh, I can't do a good your Jen hands Saki. are flailing in here. Yes, too. yes. 
she really stepped in it a couple times recently when she talked about resuming student loan payments that got a lot of outrage from democrats and from others across the political spectrum it raised the pressure on the biden administration to go another route and they did when you say democrats you mean like political people like elected officials and just the general public because I i feel like the general public when you when you say you're going to unpause, you know the the student loan debt or whatever, uh, there's it's probably going to affect more than just Democrats, right? Like Republicans would be like, "F this!" Like, really, Biden, you're going to do this now? And we need to note that this is a Trump administration policy to stop student loan payments. This was in the spring of 2020 that the Trump administration put this policy into place. It was a great policy in terms of propping the economy up at the height of the pandemic, when the pandemic was really coming on full force to keep money in people's pockets by pausing these payments. We got to... Note that this was originally a Trump administration policy. It was a great idea to prop the economy up. Biden has inherited this policy and is now struggling with what to do with it. When is this something that goes through Congress? Or well, is this just president signs off on it? Well, I see this tricky. a lot. This I see tricky. this a lot. I see uh, the, the, the administration, Biden now, will blame Congress for, hey, we'll, we'll do it if Congress passes it. And then I see a lot of people saying, Biden could sign a piece of paper right now that says cancel all student loan debt and he doesn't need Congress to do it. There are opinions all over the map on this, Rick. So there is very little question that Joe Biden and Donald Trump as president had the power to pause student loan payments. To me, that is clear that they had that power. When it comes to cancellation, just canceling people's debts, that is less clear. Some Democrats think Biden can just, on his own, cancel all student loan debt. Joe Biden has said, well, maybe he can cancel up to 10000 but he would really like Congress to weigh in on this. The opinions are all over the map about cancellation. What you're seeing right now is just Biden buying some time here, as we noted. And the date... The date is May, right, sir? Uh, May 1st. May 1st. What significance does May 1st have in terms of elections? Is there any significance here? Because I kind of made the joke. No significance, but I think it buys the administration some three more months to figure out what they want to do to survive the election year with this issue. primaries happen in August? Primaries happen in the spring throughout the summer. And so this will be— Are they random? Is there a date? They differ by state. Okay. Yep. And so well, when are when are when when would be like the congressional August? It is August. Wisconsin. Okay. So yep. 3 months before uh this has some, this, I mean this is almost like we talked about when when Scott Walker gave $100 for the child tax credit <laughs> right before an election, right? We all talked about yeah. how yep. that's kind of like buying votes or buying voters. Uh this is also like that. I mean May is May is a terrible time. I guess by May June, July, August, our, our students aren't going to forget that their loans kicked back in or their student debt kicked back in. And and that's why I think this is the first move of several more moves to come on student loans. Rick, just personally, I have some student loan debt from when I went to the University of Minnesota. I could tell how you're talking. I didn't want to bring it up because I was like, he, Chergosky definitely has student loan debt. Yes, for sure. So I was budgeting for 2022 with the anticipation that I would not have to repay or have to make student loan payments in 2022 because I could not 
fathom the possibility that Biden would restart the payments in the midterm election season. Did part of this planning have to do with having a baby? <laughs> no, 20, just... 20, 21 weeks uh, as of Friday. 21 this weeks. This week. All right. We got to take a break. Brad doing the news. Scott's comic coming up. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Dr. Anthony Chagoski, the UW Lacrosse political science professor, back in here, still in here with me, back in here. You didn't go anywhere. Uh, we're talking about, we were just talking about student loan debt and uh, the, 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 what is it, the horse in the race that you have? Is that the, the cliche? I'm not a big cliche. I always mix it up. I am up. not an unbiased observer here. Yes. Yeah, you would, you would say, yeah, just let's cancel it. I think, uh, you know, but a, a big argument here with, talking about student loan debt the biden administration has uh flip-flopped i would say they flip-flopped they they went from "Ah, we're gonna we're gonna start it back up again student student loan the percent you know you're gonna have to start making repayments again by they flip-flopped on at-home tests too for covid so there's been two big time flip-flops did they flip-flop they just said they weren't going to have at-home tests at some point well jen saki the white house press secretary was sort of scoffing at this suggestion by a reporter that they would mail an at-home covid test to every american what do you want us to do send a test to everyone oh that's preposterous sort of just mocking and ridiculing the idea and then then in the last couple days, we get this news that there are 500 million tests that have been ordered by the Biden administration to be sent out to people by mail. Uh, your Jen Psaki imitation is getting worse. <laughs> I mean, that was that was like Santa Claus almost. Um, yeah, this was interesting. I do remember that now that reporter asked that. Uh, these are the same kind of press conferences that the Trump administration had. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, right, was one. But then yep. we, they, they, those kind of stopped after a while, didn't they? I feel like the last maybe year or so of the Trump administration, those didn't happen. They did. It was really the COVID-19 task force with President Trump, Mike Pence, and some other administration officials, including Deborah Birx and, and Dr. Fauci. Those were where there were some infamous quotes uh, stated, uh, some things that were not true being said, like the promotion of hydroxychloroquine came from the White House podium there as this miracle cure. There were some other things that were said from the White House podium that were not helpful, frankly, from a public health standpoint. So in the last part of the Trump administration, we really saw President Trump just taking over those briefings. Did we not see also a little bit of a delay on those briefings from some media outlets where they would play them, but also fact check them while they happen? Or was that just or was that just debate? There was a big debate in the media about if you wanted to air President Trump live, if it was responsible to air President Trump live or if you had to put him on some type of tape delay to make appropriate edits and to include appropriate information and fact checks and context. So I don't know that that was ever really resolved, but that was a big question. Like, is it responsible for the media to play these COVID-19 task force briefings live? Yeah, and there's been some information about uh, how some of that information about COVID – has has been was was kind of I, I don't even know the 
wasn't talked about or was hidden a little bit. I, I don't know. There's just a lot of just weird stuff. But anyway, that's in the past. We're moving on. And, uh, you know, you talked about how student loan debt, the Trump administration did this, uh, you know, at the start of the pandemic. At the height of the pandemic, you said, I feel like we might be at the we're new probably height. already we're probably at the third or fourth height of the pandemic yeah, by now. Sec- so uh, the uh, Gunderson exec, uh, Mike Dolan, Dr. Mike Dolan told me the other day that. Um, Boy, they were really raising the alarms. Omicron. He said that he he said that cases of Omicron are going to double every one and a half to three days. Double. The yep. like we're, everyone's going to be infected by then if that's the case. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's where you really have to get the messaging right. If you are a public health official, if you're someone who's trying to communicate with the public productively, you've got to get the messaging right because – you, what you don't want to have happen is people say, "Well, I've got, I'm going to get it anyway, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to get vaccinated. I'm not going to get tested." Blah 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 blah. You have to convince people and show people that they will have a less severe case if they take certain precautions. That's going to be the challenge because, Rick, we were talking about this before the show, that a lot of the COVID response either seems to be, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to completely panic about this new situation. Like this new situation, it's a disaster versus, well, what a – don't care about yeah, it's COVID either anymore. one way or the other. What's funny is it's a like lot of people are, or the other. Yeah. Funny, a lot of people are like, "Oh, we're going to have to shut down again," and I'm like, "We were shut down for like a month. We never really shut down, and it was just a brief period of time before the state supreme court here in Wisconsin overturned the Evers safer at home order." Yeah, and the shutdown was, "I don't sit at Culver's and eat the hamburger." Like that was the shutdown was mostly I don't go to some mom and pop shops and some and most restaurants, I would say all restaurants kind of shut down. Sure. And beyond that, uh, if I wanted to go to, you know, the big box stores, I could. So we didn't even really shut down when it comes to that stuff. So that's the uh, weird thing when people thought, well, we can't have lockdowns anymore. Well, we never had a lockdown. It's like, when were you ever locked down? Really? (laughs) I mean, the lockdown is more of a self thing. Like I'm going to lock myself down because I'm going to i'm worried about i'm not going to travel i'm making the decision not to go sit in a restaurant because in my head i always make the it's not a joke but it is just kind of funny how we decide uh the the virus isn't going to uh, spread as long as i wear a mask but and then if i'm seated while eating it won't spread like that's a (laughs) you know i bring up the joke like a, a lady sat down at a restaurant and started smoking and they're like you can't smoke in here and i'm like why like i'm sitting down like Just like the virus is going to spread, the smoke will stay right here. The virus can only get you at a restaurant between the time you enter the restaurant and sit down at your seat. (laughs) Then take your mask off and you're good. I mean, there is a case to be made if we if we wanted to uh, really take over, uh, you know, the government really wanted to get out uh, all these funds. You know what we're going to do? We're going to improve everybody's HVAC systems. Like we've seen this in schools. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, so that when you do sit down in a restaurant, because uh, airlines have been saying this recently, the where I've heard this, wearing a mask in an airline's not even worth it because their HVAC systems or whatever you want to call it, their air filtration systems are so good that the, the mask is obsolete. And I just have to laugh because I'm like, every time I fly, I get I get so I don't get I don't really get sick any other time. But if I fly somewhere 
wherever I'm going, I'm I'm sick. I end up being sick with something. This is a really practical thing that I think we need to focus on in all kinds of industries, improving filtration, improving air quality. That's just going to be a really not easy, but not very intrusive thing that we can do. It's not like we're going to force people to wear a mask. You know, it's not like we're going to, you know, it's, it's, it's way less drastic than say having a vaccine requirement or having a mask requirement. It's something that is relatively unobtrusive or just completely unobtrusive that we can do to reduce the spread of things like COVID. And I think there should be frankly a lot more, from the government on this in terms of policy, in terms of funding, in terms of enabling businesses to make these changes, enabling companies and facilities to make these changes, to improve the air quality. It's a no-brainer as far as these respiratory viruses are concerned from a policymaking standpoint. Well, what kind of uh, influx in the economy would it be if you just gave local businesses yeah. that that are selling air conditioners. We have one in town that li- they literally make the air conditioners here. I'm pretty sure and, and unless they're, you know, farming that out overseas and bringing the air conditioners, I don't know. I guess I, I'm not totally sure, but uh man, that would be an influx on the economy if we just ramped up the HVAC uh, you know, I mean, the economic, model. the economic and health benefits would be enormous. This is kind of like when you go back to World War Two, post World War Two, and you wanted to get the economy going again. We start, we just start building, right? Like, was that World War Two or before that? Uh, but just you know, hey, we're going to build houses, and that's going to give people jobs, and that's gonna, right. People are going to have more housing, and I don't know. It just uh, it, does, it doesn't seem like. And then get, getting back to uh, the Biden administration, you know, they flip flop on on student loan. So May, the student loan debt is going to be postponed until um, what, what do you think? Uh, and then testing, you know, they flip flopped on testing. So is 500 million enough tests. I want to go back to student loans, but 500 million. If there's 300 million people in the United States, well, I feel like we're not even all getting two tests. The, the supply of at home tests is really low at this point, And that is an inexcusable failure of government, frankly, at this point in the pandemic to not have just overflowing pharmacies and overflowing stores full of at home tests. Well, is it funny? Like the we way should, that's what we should have at this point, the messaging from Democrats when Joe Manchin said he's not going to support Build Back Better. And then he goes on Fox News like that night or the next day and says, you know, kind of gives his reasons. Uh, and, and before that, it was just a phone call to the White House. I don't know how that works. Does Manchin have Joe Biden's number on speed dial or something? Or does he just hit, you know, is it in there? Is it like, hey, Joe, yeah, I'm not. Build Back Better, I'm out. And then he and then he walks over to the Fox News stage and, yeah. and talks about it. Democrats are like so surprised that Joe Man- like really you're you're that surprised so the idea like like oh you you missed out on that and then the idea that uh, you know maybe we should have tons of tests available for everyone like how are you missing this stuff did you did you think the did we did we think the pandemic was going away because what at what point have we seen what's going on and gone yeah you know what we're getting back to normal it doesn't seem like it. at this point to not have so to not have adequate supply of at-home rapid testing is just a horrific policy failure by the government. It's going to go down as one of the major fo- policy failures, I think, in a pandemic that has had its fair share of policy failures just 
add this one to the list, the lack of rapid testing. Well, the policy failures and, and just, just I, I think they're a little bit blind to what's going on. I mean, if you want to go policy failure, too, on a grander grander scale, we've gone through a pandemic for two years, a pandemic where everyone's getting sick, 800,000 people have died. Uh, if you don't even want, if you want to discount the deaths because, you know, the, for whatever reason, the idea that you end up in the hospital is going to be something that's very much more scary, I think, to people because you end up with a $15,000 hospital bill. Yep. We haven't done anything to secure health care in any way, shape or form any better in this country for, for two years. We don't even address it. That's how Democrats won in 2018, right? Health care. Health care, health care, health care. That won them the midterms in 2018. And then they just, what are they, the pandemic wasn't like red flag enough to be like, hey, you know what? We should continue this health care promotion. Uh, they just forgot about it. We're not talking about the Ob- improving Obamacare anymore. We're not talking about, you know, having some kind of like a national health care system. The only thing you can do is is you freak out the nation. Hey, you can go and get your free safe vaccine for, you know, it's free. Go and get it. Walk in. Do It seems too easy. We've we've hoodwinked the whole nation into thinking like, wow, this must be some nefarious plan by the government to track me by giving me a vaccine that's free. It's it's free. I can't trust it. Yeah, like the vaccine process is too easy. Like in America, we assume that healthcare has to be onerous and difficult and full of red tape and full of a dozen layers well, of bureaucracy. And unknowns too, right? Like I need to go get a colonoscopy. I, I some, It sounds gross, right? But I need to go do that as some kind of like uh, pre-cancer check, right? It's just something that you, when you hit your 40s, you should do that. I have no idea if it's covered. I have no idea if, you know, if they find something, oh, you know what? We found something, so that's going to cost. I have no idea what that would cost. There's just, there's so many unknowns. Like, why haven't we solved this? It's been two years. You, you know, the two parties make us scratch our heads in different ways. When it comes to the Democrats, they do not seize a lot of pretty obvious opportunities. This is an obvious opportunity for them to make progress on some of their key health care priorities, and they're not doing it. They're just trying to keep their head above water when it comes to managing the pandemic and trying to figure out some way to get Build Back Better across the finish line, and hopefully for them, not get annihilated in the midterm elections yeah the amount of time and and effort and talk we do on roe versus wade something that just is is a little bit like i understand the dilemma there and and you know like even now i'm tiptoeing right like oh geez you're gonna talk about abortion and women's rights and all that but the amount of time we do fighting for that well that's all part of healthcare. we could just expand the whole conversation to all healthcare. But we never, as Democrats, they never do that. There are certain issues that the parties really excel at or that the public really views the parties as having a lot of credibility on. With Republicans, they're viewed as having a lot of credibility on issues like crime and national defense. With Democrats, they're viewed as having a lot of credibility on issues like education and health care. So Democrats should be all over those issues. With the school closures, though they have taken a hit when it comes to their reputation on education frustration over the school closures frustration over how the educational system has handled the pandemic kids wear masks is the worst thing in the history of the universe (laughs) 
I mean, that's it. I mean, you, you, you see these school board meetings and somebody will, it won't even be a topic about anything. And then it's like, also, you know, if we're going to talk about this, we should talk about the kids having, having the choice to wear a mask. And it's like, give me a break. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to take one more quick break and then wrap up with uh, Christmas top five list. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Just wrapping up here at Christmas Eve Eve special with Dr. Anthony Chagasi, YouTube lacrosse political science professor. Now you have your list, top five Christmas movies. We did a little little bit of this to start the show. All right, number five, Chagasi. Number five, Elf. Elf, okay. Um well, what about seems, you? Seems like Elf should be higher. But we're gonna do, we're gonna do yours. I, I will I will just tell you how <laughs> terrible yours are and whether or not. Because I already know Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer made it in here, and it's somehow... It's not on my list. Oh, it's not. No. One of these... Oh, I know what one it is. Okay, number four. A Charlie Brown Christmas. That's the one. The Charlie Brown Christmas. There's no way a Charlie Brown Christmas could be better than Elf. The, the speech by Linus and the sad little tree? I probably haven't seen a Charlie Brown Christmas in Rick! 20 years. <laughs> Rick! <laughs> The tree, though, that's, uh, you know, you could always go buy that weird-looking tree at the store. It's funny. All right, number three, top five Christmas movies. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the animated version. The animated version. Okay, another one that I'm just not watching. Probably have never seen that one, actually. <laughs> it's really good. I think I've never actually yeah. seen that one. Uh, number two. Home Alone. Home Alone, number two. Okay, is Nash Lampoon's the number one Christmas movie? A Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. Yep. That, that would make sense to me. So that's my number one. I, I have to watch. I have to watch that one every year. Are these all the all movies you have to watch every year, or will you miss one? If I have to skip one, I would say it would be How the Grinch Stole Christmas or A Charlie Brown Christmas. Because oh, really? So the movies that I said aren't even that shouldn't even be in the top five are the ones you won't even watch every <laughs> well, year. Well, I watched them a bajillion times when I was a kid, so I know them by now. I haven't seen Elf or Home Alone or A Christmas Vacation as much because I didn't watch them when i was like five i started yeah, watching them a little older a little bit older i just i i would say they're just better movies yeah i will say that national lampoon's christmas vacation is my number one i think elf is my number two because i can watch that more than one time sure christmas vacation i think I, you're probably only watching christmas vacation once but elf is elf is just funnier i think just, elf is funnier a christmas vacation you can watch that once every two years once every two years and it'll be fresh elf is so funny and also you can a little watch bit that of, one every year elf's funny and a little bit of a tearjerker it, it is. is a little bit of a tearjerker the national lampoon's christmas vacation i'm not i'm not tearing up there at no. any point in time no um home alone is my number three i can watch home alone every year sure um, may, it might be because my dad really loves Home Alone. I think my dad loves Home Alone 2 more than he loves Home Alone 1 for okay. some reason. Which is but, the one with Trump? Uh, that's Home Alone 2 because he's in okay. New York. I think he makes his way into, uh, you know, whatever Trump Tower or whatever right, right, right. building that is. Um, and then number four on my list is A Christmas Story. Okay. But maybe maybe only because it just plays for 24 hours on TBS. Uh, just just repeated exposure to, to that movie, it. yeah. Um, but there there is an element there where uh, Dad's changing the tire, and you know, there you know the kid swears. There's just funny moments. Sure, the kid bundled up in his in his snowsuit where yeah. he can't walk. I just there's a lot of that, like growing up and having a brother and a, an older brother and stuff like that. Not that I was getting beat up or anything by the bullies. And then I want to say Die Hard. 
But I'm not watching <laughs> Die Hard every year, so it's hard to say. This is again. See, this is where it gets controversial. Yeah, I don't even know if I have a top. I don't even know if I have a fifth movie because I'm I'm scrolling this list and trying to think like, is there a better movie than Die Hard? And there's there's really not. I don't think. Uh, and I don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Well, then I it, can't, say it can't be on your list then. then. It can't be on my list. But but I would. But I but of all the Christmas movies or movies that I would watch during Christmas. Although this year it's going to be the 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 Matrix Four, that'll be oh my oh boy Christmas movie versus movie you would watch during Christmas. <laughs> that, now now we're getting way too complicated. I mean, our Christmas tradition was going to the movies oh, in the absolutely. past, but we Met, haven't done that in two years. Many people have that tradition. Yeah, Omicron. Thanks a lot, Omicron. Yeah. You ruined Christmas again. Um, all right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, the Christmas special, the Christmas Eve Eve special. Well, Merry Talk Christmas, PM. everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, well, I was going to do the next year bit, but that's not right. No, yet. no. Next, we 